Welcome to Two Paley's on a Pod. I'm Bria Paley, and my guest today is my friend Libby. Yay! Thank Hello, you, Libby. Welcome. I'm excited. Me too. I'm so excited. This is this is great. Even though you know, I I miss my dad being on the pod with me, but he's taking a break, so I'm having some very special friends fill in. And you are one of them, and I'm so excited for my guests, my, my audience, to get to know you. Well, Bria, it is an honor. Thank you so much. And um, I'm just so happy that I got to know you so many years ago. And, you know, do you want to tell people how we met? Yes, let's start from the beginning. Okay, so I was a student at Northeastern University in Boston studying journalism and my grade point average was a little below what was required to study abroad. So being the person that I am, I would not take no for an answer. And I decided to take a leave of absence from my university and be a visiting student at La Université Américaine in Paris. And off I went in the fall semester of 2005. And I took some journalism classes and you were in my journalism class with Waddick Doyle. You were in my journalism ethics class. And we were also in color communications together. Right. Exactly. I know we were in the first class. I don't remember the second one, but. Oh, you know what? Maybe um, we weren't in that class, but that's how I found out about the fashion internship that we both ended up doing. Right, right. And I just wanted to tell you what I remember. I remember that the professors like really liked you and the stories that you had to tell. And like everybody really liked you when you came. Like you were really just, you just had a lot to say and you wrote really good papers. And um, that was so nice because I like, I remember feeling like it was really difficult. Like it was a harder, it was harder academically than Northeastern had been. Really? Yeah, like, first of all, I was taking five classes, which was a lot. And at one, at one point, every class had a paper due, and I was really overwhelmed. And I was living in a very creepy apartment on uh, Rue de Grenelle, just right next to the school. But the, the apartment had no natural light. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, it was like so dark. And then, you know, the, the owner of the apartment was this old French widow named Isis Fami, and she was an Egyptian journalist. Um, and yeah. he probably had so many fascinating stories, but she was so, like, bitter and, like, had no interest in getting to know me at all. Well, and do you remember my apartment back then, that fat apartment that I had with a view of, like, Notre Dame and the Eiffel Tower and, like, everything? And that lady that I lived with, Madame Levert, was, like an artist but like her her ex-husband or no no her she was also a widow her you know deceased husband was like a government man like really high up so do you remember that apartment I do no I really do remember it and like you had decorated it so nicely and I was just there for a couple months so I couldn't really all that much but I just like you were there for all of college well, I actually transferred, um, transferred, you know, and that was like, I started out in Alabama and then I did a semester abroad at the Sorbonne and uh, I, I fell in love with Paris. And then I was like, but I can't stay like and go to a French university because my French is not good enough. Um, so I have to find a way to graduate and stay. And so I just transferred to AUP. So I did not do all four years, but I finished there which was amazing. And I finished, you know, later than I should have because they didn't accept all the credits from anyway. Oh, but yeah. I just remember like when I met you and we went out for pizza on Rue de Grenelle, mm -hmm. I remember you were the sweetest, warmest person. And oh. I remember I told you some story, like something that I was really conflicted about. And I felt bad about it, something that had happened in Alabama. And like, I remember you just gave me the biggest hug and you were like, you're very special. Wow. And you you were just so, so sweet. I remember that. 
Well, that's nice to hear. I remember that at the time, um, women were adding other women to be their Facebook wives. Right. That was like a, a thing to do. And especially, if, you know, because because I was single, I was like, well, this sounds like a great idea. I can have like a like a best friend, Facebook wife. So I somehow roped you into being my Facebook wife, even though you're from a very conservative part of the country. And I don't know, maybe you thought people were going to think you were a lesbian or something like that. But I, well, I, I didn't care what people thought, thought back then, and I do now. So, <laughs> <laughs> like back then, I was kind of a rebel, but I'm not anymore. And but yeah, that that was hilarious. And I remember people wrote me; they were like, "Wait, you're married? What?" But that's how we started calling her wifey. That's right. That is right. And Bria also like after graduation coming to New York and you were in Australia. Oh yeah. This is something that I wanted to talk about too. Like we have a lot of differences, but I think the thing that we had in common was like the fact that we're like, you know, you have one parent who's American and one parent who's Australian mm -hmm. who met in Israel, which is so cool, which I wanted people on my Facebook page that I share this on to to hear about. But, um, and so I had that, like, where my mom's from Alabama, but my father came from New Zealand. Mm. And so, like, we both, like, you know, we're kind of like this two, I've only been to New Zealand one time, like, you lived in Australia, but it's still not exactly the same experience in life, you know, being two different things. Yeah. No, for and sure. I think maybe like, having a parent who, you know, is... Yeah, like having this kind of immigrant experience in a way. And now, you know, your son also has an American parent and um and uh what would you what would you say? French parent or Algerian parent? Algerian. Algerian. Yeah, Algerian, right. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of it is unique, you know, to have that and and kind of like come from two different worlds almost even if you don't even if you haven't spent time in that other place, like it's still it lives within you. Of course, of course, absolutely. And also, you know, we had the journalism, you know, which were, makes us both really curious people, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's another thing that we had in common. And I mean, when I came to New York, like that was not the best time in my life because I had the student loan to pay off and I felt terrible about it. But, like, whenever you would come home, like, you would share all your friends with me, and um, you just shared everything that you had, and we were such, you know, we had such a good time when you were there. Like, we had the best time. You know, I've always been, like, a, like the more the merrier type person. It, it's never, it, it never made sense to me why people would, like, kind of keep their friends separated, or even, like, my, you know, my sister's two years younger than me and we were only one grade apart in school. And I just always thought that we would kind of share friends, but she was not interested in that. And it's just, it's made me just even more so want, want people to connect because if you're my friend, then I think you're a great person. And why wouldn't I want you to, you know, know my other friends? Like I, I've never, you know, had a wedding or anything. So I've had no reason to bring everyone together but I have this dream, this vision of someday bringing all my, my besties somewhere amazing and just all getting to spend time together. Well, I believe that you'll get to do that. Yes. Absolutely. And I just also wanted to say that I feel like you're in such a good place right now. Like, it's really good to see you happy and you know, it feels like you've overcome a lot and that you're uh, really in a positive place. Thank you. Yeah, that means a lot to me because, you know, and as, as all my listeners know, like this year was so challenging in many, many ways. And there were there were dark moments that I could not see my way out of. And really the worst part was like the, the panic attacks, like the daily panic attacks mm. that like just feels soul crushing. But 
you know, very much like you, I, I turned to God who, you know, in my tradition, we, we call Hashem. Mm. I turned to Hashem and I just like, I just pray. And I just say like, Hashem, I know that you have a plan for me and your will is, is greater than mine. It has to be greater than mine. And I, I, I did learn some of that from the 12 step programs, which I've, I've taken a break from because, uh, I, I needed to kind of step away from that, but all these kind of things I've learned over this, over these last many years, like they, they appear when they need to. That is so amazing, Bria. Of course, like, you know, God's will is more important than our own. And like, I think we're going to get to talking about like, you know, what we went through when you came back to Paris soon. Um, but, you know, overcoming adversity is really like you come out stronger all the time. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what's, what's cool about some of my friendships, including ours is that I, I don't always see my friends in person because we're spread all over the world and, and you've been back in Paris. So, so you, if you want to talk about your journey kind of to, um, to back to Paris. Okay. Um, yeah. And I also wanted to say like, you know, back at AUP, like, I really learned that you were such a good listener and such a sympathetic person. And I think that maybe that's because your dad is a rabbi and like part of that job is probably being like a counselor too, you know? And mm -hmm. so you have that in you. And like, I think that's why you're going to have a really good podcast. You know, cool. you like to listen. I do. I love stories. I just, and I'm, and I, I love, I'm, I'm very nosy, you know, I do ask people questions and sometimes they're like, uh, you know, maybe that's too personal, but, and that's okay, you know, boundaries. But I just think like, there's, there's so much to learn from each other. And I personally have a hard time understanding why people hide so much of themselves. Right. I know. I know. Well, I mean, you're always somebody that's willing to lend an ear. You never judge, even if we don't agree on everything. You always listen to what I have to say. You're not one-sided. Um, you know, I, I just really appreciate that. So I'm really, really, really glad to have you as a friend once again. So, yes, like I... Um, like I said, when we met, I loved Paris. I was obsessed with being here. I was proud to be here. You know, I've always felt like the two times when my mom was really proud of me was like when I was doing horseback riding and when I was in Paris, like she was really proud of me when I was a student here, you know? Mm. And um, back then, like you couldn't just stay after you graduated. Like if you didn't get a company to sponsor you to stay, like you couldn't legally stay in the country. So when I graduated, like my student visa ran out and I had to go home mm. and, or not home, but back to the United States. And that was like, I didn't want to leave, you know, mm. I never wanted to leave here. And, um, you know, and I actually, like you can attest to, like at AUP, we didn't necessarily learn French, right? Well, I didn't. I was only there for a semester and I was like, I'm not, I'm not here to learn French. I'm here to like, you know, do other things and experience uh, just being there really. Right. Right. So, I mean, like there were such amazing people there to get to know um, that like you really didn't have to venture out, you know, and everyone there spoke English. Like they weren't all American, but you know, English was our language, you know. Well, the American and, University. Right. So that became a problem when it was time to look for jobs because, like, <laughs> you needed to speak French to work at a company in France back then. Although now I see, like, all these people, like, all these universities now, like Sciences Po, and, you know, they, they do, like, entire degrees in English now which is crazy, you know? And then all these companies are hiring people that can't even speak French. But back then it wasn't like that, you know? Mm. 
And um, well, UNESCO, I think that you could work, work out without speaking French. But um, so anyway, I had to leave. And, I, and so basically when I was in New York, I went to the Alliance Francaise, which was amazing. Uh, and I was like, I really want to learn French. Like I, I, I knew how to speak like enough to order food and, you know, a few, a few phrases here and there, but like, I couldn't really have a conversation in French back then. So like, you know, throughout the years, like I would like, you know, I, I subscribed to this French TV station and I watched French TV all the time. I would like order all these books off Amazon and, and underline all the words that I didn't understand and then look mm. them up in the dictionary and so I basically like learned French in the five years that I was home, you know, like I really wow. did. Like I didn't learn French in France. I learned it after <laughs> I came home. Wow. And, but I really realized like I, when I found, found a way to come back to France, like I was willing to do anything to stay, you know, mm -hmm. because I had like made it like an idol for myself. Like it was just the end all be all. Like if I didn't have that, I wasn't going to be happy. And um, I learned spiritually that that's kind of a trap and that you have to be careful with that. And so, um, you know, I wanted to get a master's degree back then. And I came back to do that, but I didn't do it. And I met someone back then who was just really unmaterialistic, uh, you know, a big smile, very warm and... Um, you know, uh, we, we met and I was 30 and I, you know, I really wanted to have a baby also. Mm. And so did he. And like, so we got married and had a baby very quickly. <laughs> and I'm so thankful that we did. And, um, that became really challenging at a certain point because, you know, we came from such different backgrounds. Um, and, you know, I, unfortunately for my son, that was not, you know, I wasn't able to stay married to, to him. But like talking about how things that are hard for you make you stronger, like living in that situation, um, which was so different from my own, like my mom was such a strong Christian and you know, her friends were such like a big part of her life, you know, in supporting each other. Mm. And I saw that in the culture that my ex-husband came from, that women just like stabbed each other in the back anytime. Mm. And it really made me appreciate, like, I don't know. I think, I think that that's what really made me become like deep into my Christianity was being in a situation where I was taken out of it. And I felt like I was in such, such darkness, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, I'm glad, like, I'm glad the listeners get to hear your lovely Southern voice, but you also are a, a gorgeous woman, you know, with like just the brightest eyes and blonde hair. I think you had dark hair for a while. Like you and I have both switched hair colors a few times. <laughs> <laughs> like Madonna. Yeah. You know? exactly. Yeah. So we, we can't be predictable. But, um, and so, so yeah, I hadn't seen you for a number of years and I was going to Israel. I was in a, a, also a pretty bad relationship in San Francisco at the time. Oh yeah, you were. Yeah, it was a mess and I could not seem to get myself out of it. I was really scared to be like alone again. He and I were living together. It was a whole mess. And so I decided to take a couple days or maybe it was, like, I guess, a week to come visit you and also meet your your son, who was at that point just a, a couple of years old. This was 2015. And so so I made. Two. Yeah, or one and a half. Yeah. yeah, he was very little. So um, so I came to meet you in Paris and I was going to, you know, crash on your couch or whatever, because that's that's what I like to do when I can. And and I, I showed up and um. I don't remember a lot except that pretty quickly you decided you were going to leave your husband. <laughs> mm. Like you'd been thinking right. about it, I think, but maybe something about me being there helped you like feel like you, you could actually do it. And, and I was like a bit shocked because I was, I just felt like unprepared because also, you know, 
it meant we couldn't stay there in the apartment and we had to find a place to stay. And you also had this, this little boy and we went to like the welfare office or something. It was like, there was just so, so much happening. And I probably, I, I know that I didn't handle it. Social worker. We went to talk to a social worker. That's right. Not welfare. It was, yeah, it was like something in, you know, we had to show proof and French and, and I just was like, I'm like, I am over my head. And and I and I felt guilty that I like probably wasn't really there for you. And I was like, you know, also kind of bummed that my like vacation, you know, wasn't turning out the way that I had hoped. And and so after that week, like we didn't speak for like at least six months. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a while. But like we we've and we've taken breaks a few times, but we always like find our way back to each other. Well, I always need somebody to listen and you're a good listener, you know? Um, and yeah, that was such a terrible time. Like we didn't have fun, but like, I don't know, like, I mean, like he was all like, yeah, your friend can stay here. Da da dee da da da. And like, you know, all that stuff. But then he was like, you know, in the middle of the trip, he just, he didn't want you there anymore, you know? And being from Alabama, like, I'm not going to like act that way. I'm a, I'm hospitality is like what we do in the South, you know? So I rented us like a hotel and we ended up like, it was like in the 13th and it was like, you know, owned by Chinese people because this is like the 13th, you know, Chinatown over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we had that picnic on the bed. Yeah, like we went to like the Grande Pisserie, which is like, you know, the nicest grocery store (laughs) in Paris. It's like, you know, Herod's food hall, basically. Like, Mm -hmm. it's wonderful. We bought foie gras. So we're eating this like luxury food in a not luxury hotel. (laughs) And, you know, but I want to say like, as much as, you know, back then, my husband and I were like at each other's throat, like, and it's never good. You know, the Bible says that God hates divorce. So you should try to avoid that at all costs, but um, he's improved so much since then. And I just like, he even really came through for me like a year ago or six Mm -hmm. months ago, like really helped me. He's with a really stable person now, uh, Mm -hmm. lady who, they have two more children. He's a wonderful father. He loves our child. Mm. And um, I also wanted to say, like, you know, even though he is Muslim, he's definitely, I do not think that he's like a Jew hater, you know? No, no. Like if he, he'll, he'll go to buy the kosher food for some reason. He loves to go, you know, they either have to eat halal or kosher. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm very, he's, he's not like, a terrible person no of course not I don't think he's a terrible person I mean I wish I'd gotten to know him I think the language barrier was a piece of it right I mean he he really doesn't speak much English at all and sadly my French is I can fool people because I can say like a couple things really well you know like j'ai habité à Paris pour quatre mois j'ai étudié à la université américaine like you know and then people like oh she speaks French and I'm like oh no that I ran out of things to say you know, <laughs> well, that was that was how I was for many years, too. So I understand like, yeah, and I'm like, I used all this energy to learn French. Why didn't I use it all to like become a lawyer or something? You know, like it, it really exactly. it's not like it pays, you know? Well, I also remember from that visit that we before things kind of crashed and burned, we actually did go to the Bastille Day celebration bastille night celebrations and that was really nice that was really beautiful and i have like i think i probably still have a video of like little baby jordan your son you know just like crashing into your arms (laughs) oh yes yes and there was um a professor that that remembered you who's such a wonderful person julie thomas Yes. Oh, yeah. He taught the color communications. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to talk about her too. What an amazing person. Like, Mm. so I knew that you were able to go be like a fashion journalist at fashion week 
um, because of Julie Thomas. So Mm -hmm. you just told me that, you know, exactly how you did it. And so I took the class the next semester, except it wasn't exactly the same thing. It was communicating fashion. So, yeah. So like you, I was like super aggressive and I got to go do that too. I would just follow it in your little footsteps. And I thank you for trailblazing the way because I got to write a really good article for this. Well, I mean, it was good for me to do it for the school newspaper. And I felt really cool doing that. Now, uh, that's just... It was seriously like a highlight of my life to get to go to Paris Fashion Week. Like it was so fun. I I got to like basically sneak into like all these massive fashion shows and like, you know, the job that we had was to save a spot for the camera person for this Canadian broadcasting company's show Fashion File. And so the best spot that everyone wants is next to the, the the Maison camera, the house, the fashion houses camera and so we would have all these tricks like we'd have this tape and we I'd like slice up this tape so no one could kind of rip it off and it said fashion file on it and but you know no one really wants you to get there too early so you have to kind of like come up with you know sneaky things like I said I was with makeup maquillage and then I'd hide in the bathroom (laughs) until I was like brave enough to go back out but the best one I did was the Louis Vuitton show that was oh wow And you saw Lou Doyon, didn't you? Yes, Lou Doyon, the daughter of Jane Birkin, of the Birkin bag and other things. But not Serge Gainsbourg's daughter. She, this was another husband, Jacques Doyon. That's right. That's right. um, But she's, she's the prettiest daughter. Yes. Yeah. I remember her. And I remember I went to the Alexander McQueen show and I took a picture of a model who was so bone thin and she was wearing like a, like a crystal bikini or something. It was like wild. Like I went to like, I partied at the, you know, um, <laughs> Petit Palais. I mean, it was just like such an experience. And then I had to like go back to being like a student. I was like, this is boring. I just want to live this lifestyle. <laughs> I know. Well, thank you for, for like teaching me how to get in and like, I got to go to the Agnes Bay and you know that like rock star Patty Smith, she came out. Oh yeah. And like, you know, killed it on stage after um, she was amazing. And then I got to go with Madeline, who was the journalist from Fashion File, and she interviewed Agnes Bay. And I was sitting there and I got to talk to her a little bit. And that was just really cool. I enjoyed that as well. And I'm so thankful. Well, I got to go to, so I had an editor from when I had um, been an intern at Women's Wear Daily in New York. And even though the internship had not gone very well and I was asked to leave, um, I had remained in touch with Jessica Kerwin, who's now doing really cool things and uh, as like a coach. But um, she gave me some tickets to other fashion shows that she wasn't going to go to. And one of them was Colette Dinigan, the Australian fashion designer. So I went to her show and all this whole experience of living abroad, um, realizing that I am in fact a dual citizen, really inspired me to mm. move to Sydney the following the following year for what yeah. ended up being six years. So it was all like it was all really a part of it was like this idea that I could leave America and be better than fine and learn so much about other cultures and and re- I got to really my dream job at, at one point, which was covering covering the Opera House. Amazing. The Sydney Opera the House? The Sydney Opera House, yeah. Just, like, such a dream to get to go to, like, shows there and interview the artists. And it, it was, like, short-lived. Like, the whole job was, like, a year. And then, you know, more more chaos ensued and... I'm I'm still bummed about what happened after that. Like one of my my editors bullied me and I had proof of it and I went to HR and reported him and they really didn't handle it well as I'm sure most companies especially then didn't handle abuse abuse well. Mm-hmm. Um so so the job the job ultimately ended and I felt so lost because 
I had been a journalist. That's what I studied. That's what I wanted to, to do. But I only wanted to work in the arts and fashion. Yeah. So all of a sudden I found myself like not having any clue what was next and and had to just kind of keep finding things, you know, jobs. And so I went into fashion for a while, but like retail. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't glamorous, but I did it. And then I traveled so much around Australia that I ended up becoming friends with this little travel shop, the people working there. And they were like, why don't you work for us? So I did that for a while, but my heart just wasn't in it. Like the sales component and the commission structure and, and so much competition. I mean, there were all these little travel agencies and we were all competing and, you know, it just didn't, it didn't feel very good to me. And really, I just wanted to travel, not sit in a little office and help other people travel. <laughs> so, so finally, you know, it was kind of my time in Australia after six years. Felt like it had come to an end. And I still like sometimes oh, regret. Six years. Wow. Six years. Yeah, I know. And I'm going back finally after, um, gosh, it's been seven years. I was there when Trump won the election. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely an amazing life experience. And I think that sometimes those experiences make us hard to relate to by yes. people. Uh, not that in any way, does it make us better? It also, you know, I think that if we had just stayed in one place the whole time, we would both be married by now. I mean, oh, I would, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. You and I, we've never had like consistent like jobs or, you know, really like relationships with men that much. I mean, you were, you were married, but you know, like I've never, I can say I've never been in a healthy romantic relationship um, in my life. And like, and I'm, I'm just like owning it at this point because I know that it's out there waiting for me and I can't, I'm never going to settle. Like, that's just not my nature. So, okay. You know, I've tried, I've, I've, uh, I've thought that I loved people. I think it was just kind of trauma, trauma bonds, um, is what I would call them, but I've, I've had a lot of fun and, and, you know, put myself out there. You and I just, we, we really go for it. Like we just, we're, we're adventurous. We were not just like adventurous and curious. Yes. Yeah. Curious. Yeah, exactly. And we, and we love like the aesthetics of life. We love nice things. We like looking good. We want to, we of both want to be thin. <laughs> of course. Well, I mean, it's more healthy to be thin, really. I mean, I yeah. think that that's like, so um, another thing that I've, wanted to ask you about even though you're interviewing me no it's, for it. it's something that like i've really learned recently um and that is just the value of your community and i know that you're very proud to be jewish and you love being jewish and i think that's beautiful and like you know being you always go to events and things like that and I heard someone say recently that like what makes people not depressed is memberships to groups and consistent participation. And so like I was like, like my mom growing up, she went to church every Sunday. She took me to church every Sunday. If we were on vacation, we would go to church wherever we were. Um, and as an adult, I would I would like go to church like once every six weeks or then twice a month the next month. But like. It would never be like an every Sunday thing, you know, really. I went to church with you. You did go to church with me, yes. But like just this past um, year, like I decided like, no, I'm going every single Sunday. Mm. And it really is an amazing thing to do, especially if you're in a big city. Can you tell me about like how, what that's meant to you, like being active and. Oh, yeah. So, um. So the one thing about traveling a lot or, you know, these days people are like digital nomads is that 
you don't have maybe that strong community because you move around so much. So I realized that um, having moved to Queens, um, which I've now been here over five years, and there's not, it's not known for its Judaism, Queens. You know, it's known for other things. It's very like ethnically, Greek, right? Yeah, there's Greek people and it's ethnically diverse and um, it's known for its food. And there, there's a lot of amazing things about Queens. Like I'm very happy to live here. And it, it still kind of amuses me when I tell people that I live in Queens and they kind of, they, I can see there's like a, a little kind of a, like a look like, oh, you must have traveled really far, you know, or, or, oh, that's interesting, you know, and it's, I just want people to like come see this place where I live because it is so special. And I think I'm going to start doing um, tours of my neighborhood actually. Um, wow. More, more on that later. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to be doing that because there's, there's some really, really special places here. And there's um, Astoria Park, which has a whole view of the, of the city, like from the water. And it's just, it's great. So, so I love one thing. that. You know, we call that like a vue dégagé in French. Like it's where you're like outside of the city and you can see into it. It's like a bird's eye view instead of a bug's eye view. Exactly. And, you know, having having grown up in the city and then lived elsewhere, it's it's like where is home? You know, like that's something I've I've been I've talked on this podcast about and been searching for, like, where is home? And home here. But what's helped is that I found a nice Jewish community um, just like in June. It's a pretty new community. They call themselves pluralistic, so they don't subscribe to any specific denomination because people ask all the time what denomination are you or what denomination is your dad and there's different sects of Judaism so I understand the question but I always think it's such a kind of strange idea to say like what kind of Jew you are like I've never want by any any label I'm I'm a proud Jew as you said I like to go to all different kinds of services musical services orthodox services Sometimes they separate men and women, you know, that's, doesn't tend to be my preference, but mm. I'll go, I'll go to that as well. Um, definitely looking for, for a man to marry is, is a priority for me. So I also try to, you know, make sure that I, I'm kind of seeking out different opportunities to meet men. It's very hard. Every, everyone I've talked to <laughs> agrees on that. Um, and so I love to sing. I'm a singer. So I, I tend to like musical services where I can really sing because that's when I feel closest to Hashem. Amazing, Bria. And thank you for saying uh, I want to find a husband because I feel like this day and age, women aren't allowed to say that anymore. Like it makes you sound like da-da-dee, da-da-da. We're supposed to pretend that we don't want a husband. And there's nothing less natural than that. Of course you want a husband. Of course I want a husband. And I believe that God has a special person definitely for you and definitely for me. Like, um, and I've had people tell me that I'm not allowed to get remarried as a divorced person. And I just don't believe that to be true. And maybe it will be once I'm, you know, when my son's 18, I don't know, but I believe, and we can't look at the circumstances about how difficult it is. We just have to believe, never lose hope. But thank you for saying that you're looking for a husband. Because I think it's important to like put out, put that out there because I recently, um, I matched with someone on a dating app. We didn't, we had not met in person. I ended up um, giving him a phone call which I realize some people maybe don't like, I don't see a problem with it. You know, like the, the good thing is that you can tell pretty quickly. Um, you can, you just learn things from a phone call. Don't you think like it's, it's, it's kind of nice to hear someone's voice, you know, before you meet yeah. them in person, which is a much bigger commitment. So I called this guy and already I kind of was getting like a, a strange vibe from him. And what are you looking for? And he said to me, I'm window shopping. And it really bothered me because I just don't see why any man would say that to a woman. That is terrible. I mean, 
But at least he let you know up front. He did. So, yeah, of course, like, you know, that ended with the phone call and I didn't waste any more time. Well, you and I are in our 40s and early 40s. Um, but we, yeah, we don't have time to waste with people who aren't serious. And, and yeah, I'm not looking for another boyfriend or casual thing. I'm, I'm looking for a real lifelong moment, um, by someone with someone who, who really wants to, to join me on this adventure. Cause I, I plan on having fun every day for the rest of my life. Well, you got to have, it's going to take somebody really special it for is. you, you know? Yes. But it's going to come and it doesn't matter if it's later than other people. We're not supposed to compare ourselves to other people in that way. So, and you don't compromise. You always like, you know, you want a Jewish husband and that's what you, you won't settle for anything else. And I admire that about you because I'm pretty different from that. But I think at this point, I finally learned my lesson <laughs> with that. Like, <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's a it's a tricky one, I guess, because I've I've and I've been told that I'm like racist because of it, but especially now with what's going on in the world, and I really appreciate how much you have, you know, stood by, stood by my people and been a supporter. You even went to a march, which like in Paris, which really moved me that you went to um, you know, a pro-Israel um rally, and. I just, I just think like life's hard enough, you know, with people's differences to, to have different religions. Um, I know what happens. People fall in love and I respect people that make it work. But yeah, yeah for me, like I, I don't see, I, I've honestly, I've really never even been attracted to non-Jewish men. Well, you know, you know, Freud, Freud, they call him Freud in French. And I'm like, who are you talking about? <laughs> you know, you have a really good relationship with your dad. And so that's like your vision, you know, that's like normal. Why would you not, you know? Yeah, well, I so, did want a man to kind of come and like rescue me. Like I thought, you know, my mom sort of that happened to her. And um, yeah, and it's like painful in a way to let go of, of that desire I don't know that I have let go of it you know I still want someone to at least be like a protector if not like a, a rescuer or you know or whatever other word I could use there I mean and 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 I don't know like I guess part of it is is somewhat financial to be honest I mean I I I've I realize now that I I never learned much about money I just never really, I've never really understood how to make money or save money or budget. Um, it's just not something I, I ever really, really did or learned about. And um, I want to learn, but I also feel like really whenever I, I hear things about money, I just kind of go into brain shutdown mode. Oh, girl, me too. And let me just point out that you're wanting to be protected by a man is not abnormal or bad in any way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's not. We can still be feminists and, you know, want that for ourselves. I think that is like, it's, it's a hormonal thing too. Yeah, it's biological. And like, you know, wanting a man to, that that's the tra traditional role of man to, you know, I, I just, I'm not going to get on a tangent, but I think that the world is in a bad state. You know, like yeah. women are supposed to be like men now, you know, mm -hmm. like. Yeah, the lines are getting so blurred. And, you know, especially when I was at, when I was at the mental hospital and there were a lot of trans people there and um, everyone was, you know, using all these different pronouns and there were older patients who kept forgetting the pronouns and it, it just was, it was really. <laughs> a lot yeah ah <laughs> <sighs> yeah but I digress. um but um yeah we don't but, have that yeah. as much over here right that, that's, that's I, not I, really I like that. no I mean it just hasn't really 
the woke culture is not really French, you know, because France still like kind of, you know, whether they want to or not, they kind of cling to their Catholic, you know, core of who they are. And like that just, you know, they're not like, you know, teaching um, children in school certain things that I've heard about. Mm. And I can't say that I'm unhappy about that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. So, like, you had mentioned in the past that, like, you might want to come back to the States at some point. Like, how do you feel about that now? I've changed my mind. Oh, wow. Totally changed my mind. Like, I love France. And I love, it's what I wanted to do in my life. And, you know, if you ask God over and over for something and he gives it to you, you need to be grateful. And I've really, and I think maybe it's because I've like found a little piece of myself, you know, like when people come from other countries to America, like they're, they become American, of course, but they find their little like communities within America too, you know? So finding a really good church for me has really um, been crucial and feeling at home and feeling happy Mm. and feeling grounded. And uh, I feel really happy here. I I really see like, you know, university here is free if it's like a French university. So like, I think for my son, like I need to stay where my son is forever. And I just think that my son will be here. And I mean, who knows, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. But I've worked for so many different companies as like a bilingual assistant, whether it be like, you know, team assistant, executive assistant, because uh, the career lady at AUP said to me, you know, when I was looking for jobs back like in 2007, you know, she was like, a lot of people want a bilingual assistant. And I was like, I don't care as long as I work in Paris, like that's fine. Plus the student loan made me have to get a job very quickly back then. So I kind of got pegged as an admin person, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it pays the bills, you know, and you meet a lot of different people and I've always, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's okay. It is what it is. And, you know, um, so anyway, oh gosh. So when I got back to Paris, I was like, I went to that same lady and I was like, I've got my papers. Uh, please help me find a job. So she sent me a job and I worked for my first French company. Um, <clears throat> and I think that, you know, I was replacing someone who was pregnant because in France, like when you're pregnant, you get to take off like, I think nine months of work or something like that. And so they have to replace you for the time, but the person that's replacing you knows that they come and go. Like they're just a temporary person. So I found out that these jobs that are temporary pay a little bit more. And um, it's also interesting because you get to meet different people. Like you don't, it's not a, it's not a marriage. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not a 100% commitment, which it actually, it's kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's like, true. you know, like you get to know enough about the company that, you know, like, a temp, like, like a temp job. It's yeah. It's kind of like temp job. So I've done those a lot. Um, and like probably the coolest ones were uh, anything to do with architecture. Like I worked for, one of the biggest architects in France, his name is Jean-Michel Wilmot. And um, he did a lot of the like, you know, people that live here would know like the Russian Orthodox Church, uh, the Station F, Grand Palais Ephemer, like amazing things. And then I got to work as the executive assistant uh, last year. for an amazing woman, really amazing woman, um, really well known. And it was so, I I just really liked her so much. Now, um, you know, you talk about bullying, Bria, like just the fact that I was so happy to be there, my joy made me a target for the girls that had been working there for many years and they were over it, you know? Yeah. And like, I got like 
just completely almost knife to death, you know, like I was treated so badly. Like, I'm not going to go into details. Um, but like, at first it was like the best thing ever the first six months, but there was just this turning point and it wasn't because like, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it was really bad. And I ended up, you know, this was a job that I could have kept, but I said, you know, I'm going to leave because I, I, I felt my mental health declining, you know? I definitely like I felt really, really bad. Yeah. And I just can't mm. be put in that situation with my son, you know, like I can't be like that sad. Like I have to be happy, you know, and I am a happy person. Like, I haven't always been, but now I am. I'm a happy person, you know? And um, this was just stealing my joy. And so I had to trust God. And what's really cool is that a, re a really sweet girl who's American reached out to me recently. And she had heard that I had worked for this lady who's well-known and, you know, still a lovely person. I have nothing bad to say about her. But um, she said, I heard you work for her. Uh, there's an interior designer from Atlanta and I looked at the Instagram page and I fell in love with their work mm. and they were like, they need an interior decorator. And I'm like, I'm not an interior decorator, but she was like, but you worked for this interior decorator. I'm like, yes, I did work for her. Yes. But I was like her executive assistant. Um, but she was like, just, and so I just wrote an honest email saying, I'm not an interior decorator, but I graduated from AUP and this company is based in Atlanta. So I said, and I'm also Southern. Um, I don't know if that helps, mm -hmm. but there is a certain like decorative style in the way that people like decorate their like big, beautiful houses in the South, you know? Mm -hmm. And I really like, I love the way that they do it. And I actually really don't like the way that French people decorate. Like you, when I was working in real estate, oh yeah, I also worked in real estate. Like I've done everything, you know, I just am like, as long as the bills are paid, I'll, I'll go do anything, you know? <laughs> and so real estate was a lot of fun. But when I was in the apartments, I'm like, why are you decorating this like Osmanium beautiful, you know, they have the parquet moulure cheminée, you know, they have the beautiful wood floors, the crown molding that's just exquisite. In the beautiful, mm. like ornate chimneys. Why are you decorating this with like roche bobois? Like, you know, the, the the couches that are so low, you're like, I can't get up, you know? Like, it just didn't go. It was like they were trying to look like New York, but like the bones of the apartment. So, like in the South, we love to, you know, get really nice antiques and put those in our house. And I'm like, you know, you have the Marche au Puce, which is a place where we went together. Do you remember that? Rio? Yeah, of course. The flea market, yeah yeah, you've got the most beautiful antiques in the world, like here, like, why are you decorating like this? Like, it actually was a source of frustration. So now I see this lady that's decorating these beautiful, you know, seventh arrondissement apartments, the way that I would decorate them if I had a, a, an unlimited budget, you know? Yeah. And I got really excited about it, because I just genuinely love her work. I love her work. And mm -hmm. So um, basically, these are American people that are coming to Paris. You know, they may they've worked hard their whole lives um, and they're they're buying their dream home, you know, and their second dream home. And uh, what she told me, which was so amazing, was that, um, you know, we like it has to be somebody who wants to be in Paris because we're making these people's dream come true. And I had that kind of like moment that come to Jesus moment where I was like, I want to be here. I want to be here for my son and I'm happy mm. to be here. And that happened before I had this interview just before. Mm. And like, I had that attitude going in, like, I want to be here. And mm. that was really crucial to getting the job. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying it, Bria. Like I get to go to like Pierre Frey, Schumacher, Didar, like all these amazing fabric stores, pick out fabric. Wow. And it's really fun. And um, gosh, they just do such beautiful work. So oh, I'm enjoying it. So happy it. for you. What is Thanks. like, what is like your, your favorite French meal? Um, 
Well, I bought some foie gras the other day. Yeah, foie gras, nice. How about like <laughs> how about like steak steak frites or like I don't know. They're- From time to time, I like to eat that. Uh, you know the viande hachée. You know steak tartare, steak tartare. Oh yeah, you know, I like- love steak tartare. So good, but oh, I, you know what I really like. I really like like a really good like duck, like from the southwestern um, part of France, like from the Gers, mm. like the way that they do like confit de canard, I think is huh. delicious. I love duck. It's so good. That's so they, what I like. They have a place here. I think it's it's the same as the place in France. It's called Le Relais de Venise Le Entrecote. Entrecote. My ex-husband likes a nice entrecote. Yeah, I, I don't like tried it, but they I guess they were closed for a couple of years, maybe because of COVID, but they've reopened and it's like a $30 meal with like two portions of this steak and like unlimited fry frites and like their special sauce and like a simple green salad. Wait, yes, they have that in Toulouse. And that's like my yeah, that that's a means favorite restaurant. Like it's it's a it's man food, you know? Yeah. Meat and potatoes. I don't like it. The steak is too tough. Mm. Uh, well, like I want to go. Big. I'll report back, but apparently like the waits are pretty long to get in because, you know, these days you can't you can like not get a decent meal for $30. I know, Bria. And um, yeah, absolutely. But like, it's just amazing how when you're in your darkest moment, and I also felt really guilty about something at the end of the summer too, something that I did that I probably shouldn't have done. And I'm glad that I have a conscience and I'm glad that I'm not a sociopath. And when you do something wrong, you're supposed to feel guilty, by the way. So like, and that's another thing that I feel like, you know, popular culture tells us like, you know, when you're an adult, you're going to find people who tell you that what you're doing is okay, no matter what, you know? Yeah. People are just going to tell you what you want to hear. But so I was in a really bad place. I felt bad. And um, just the way that things have turned around, like with my son's school situation, like I went through like a big disagreement with my ex-husband about how, uh, you know, the school path, like all of a sudden he got it in his head that he wanted Jordan to go to public school the rest of his life. And I was like, no, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, he was so dead set on this and that almost killed me. And now Mm -hmm. like, I just, I wanted to take him to court over it. Maria, I really did. I was ready. I was ready to go. And there's this really amazing Chinese lady, um, that I met at church, who's so sweet, who lives in Israel now, actually. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. We never got to talk about that, but she's just such a, such a strong believer and such a sweet person. Anyway, she told me, do not take him to court. Jordan is God's child. You do not need war. You need peace. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I just started praying, Bria, and I, and I log on to this Bible study prayer thing every Wednesday morning. Now I can't, but yeah ask the girls to pray. They're, they're also moms, you know, so they know that burden of, you know, mm-hmm. educating a child. Mm-hmm. They prayed really hard for me. And I did a, a one day fast, like praying, praying to the Lord fasting. Mm. And my ex-husband just like, almost like magic, no court, no lawyer just calls me. And he's like, it's okay if Jordan goes to Catholic school. Oh, wow. There you go. The power of prayer and collective prayer. That is, that's so beautiful. I'm so glad. Collective prayer is written, you know, and sharing each other's burdens because life, you know, I try to stay positive, but if we say that everything is a bowl of cherries all the time, we're lying. Yeah, no, we're lying. Well, I was, we didn't really get to it, but I wanted to mention, you know, that, that I'm, I'm very, I'm very grateful. I got to meet your before she passed. Um, did I meet her? Was it on that trip in 2015? Was she? I don't know if you ever did meet her, Bria, but I know you talked to her. No, I definitely met. I definitely met her. Well, good. I'm glad because she was amazing. And I want to say that I'm also glad that I got to meet your parents. Yes, that's right. You did. You got to meet my parents. Yeah. Your mom was so like vivacious and like sporty going to the gym and like, 
remember <laughs> we watched that show summer heights high which was so funny at your house like i don't think i've ever laughed so hard like that bizarre australian humor like yeah, i love that show so funny bria you're funny too that's something that you don't need to forget damn straight you are funny and keep the humor like being able to make someone laugh is really important and so yeah is there anything well there were other things we were supposed to talk about like covid conspiracies but i guess we're not going to get to that maybe it's for the best (laughs) (laughs) you know i finally put up on my facebook today that i wish i had not gotten the vaccine and i don't like i don't approve of mask wearing and only like one person commented on it and then well two people commented on it in a way that bothered me so i took their comments off but yeah that whole thing such a mess and I'm glad that I feel like enough time has passed that I don't have to hide how I always felt although I never really hit it because I don't hide anything that's good Rhea that's good yeah but I don't you know we don't need to go off on some limb and make ourselves get like hated by people because no one's paying us for that that's what I realized too you know like I'm not going to just go disagree with people that are paying me to work. You know what I mean? Like, it's not worth it to stand up for things when like the person that I'm standing up for doesn't know me or isn't paying me. Yes. Even though I believe it in my heart, like you can keep certain things quiet and you know what I'm talking about. I do. I do. But like, I just, I couldn't believe it when I met this guy on the bus last night and he said that he really had a lot of, a lot of difficulties with his health after getting the vaccine. And he was like a young guy, like he could not have been older than us. And he had to have his hip replaced. And he said he went to five different hospitals. And every time he mentioned it was because of the vaccine, they wouldn't, they wouldn't talk to him anymore. I mean, that that is is just, it is, it's like very disturbing. And hopefully I'll have him on the podcast. He lives in the neighborhood. He's from Serbia. Lovely guy. And, um, you know, yeah, it needs to be seen. But I, I hope that we will continue to be strong and healthy for many years to come. And we'll be, re- mm, maybe be reunited. Thank the Lord for that. Yes, thank right? the Lord for that. Oh, by the way, Bria, I wanted to say this too. Because this, I didn't really know what an amazing singer you were. <clears throat> I really didn't know. I didn't know that that was like your thing. Like you you know, you went to this really special high school for, you know, performing arts and all this stuff. And the first time I heard you sing, I was blown away. Oh. But the time that I was really blown away is when you put on your um, My uh, Instagram. Instagram, you know, singing the only living boy in New York. And that was so beautiful that it just like touched me to the depths of my soul. And That line from that song, I get the news I need from the weather report. Like, okay, Bria, when all that COVID stuff started coming out and people were like, you know, going crazy, like, Mm. you know, I was like, something doesn't feel right about this to me, Mm. you know? Yeah, for sure. That was the time in my life when I was like, I get all the news I need from the weather report. I'm not listening to any of this. I'm not turning the TV on. I just like read the Bible and I did like some fasting. Like it's kind of cool for me to get confined for six weeks because I was like, so my son went with his father and he's with a lady now who, you know, it's good that we have one French person in the mix. You know what I mean? Like I'm raising him in France. He's supposed to speak French perfectly with a nice accent and we need one French person. So it means with a, with a really nice French lady now and uh, her family has a beach house. So they, my son got to spend our, our confinement at the beach. Nice. I, thank goodness, you know. Yeah. And I actually had an opportunity to see Maya, who's Amin's partner. I hope they get married. Uh, I saw her mom the other day and I was like, thank you so much for all you do for my son, you Aww. know. And she was so gracious. And mm-hmm. she said, Jordan is so nice. He's such a nice boy. Yeah. And everybody tells me that so I, I think I'm so thankful that he's he's just not difficult wow but um, but anyway like that was like that line I was like I'm not listening to this because you know your morale will get low and you will be more likely to get sick if you're mm. paranoid oh yeah you know? for sure 
Yeah. So I was just like, I'm going to be strong. And as of this day, I have never gotten COVID. Yeah. <laughs> no. mm-hmm. And I, I now live in a populated city, but I, I just love that time because, you know, we weren't allowed to work. So I was like, I got to like kind of re reset, relax, rest, you know, uh, he leads me beside still waters, as it says in Psalms. I felt like God was leading me beside the still waters. And I got to like pray for things that like I needed prayer about. And like God answered those prayers so much. Wow. That's so amazing. Well, on that note, let's end there. But thank you so much. You are just so special to me and like a bright light in this world. And I appreciate you so much. Bria, I appreciate you too. And your friendship is such a gift that um, that life has given me. And thank you for your generosity as a friend and like always listening. Hmm. It's a pleasure. It really is. Okay, listeners, until next time when I'll have another friend on to share their story. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Au revoir. Bisous, bisous. Ciao, ciao. Bisous, ciao. <laughs>